Our scripture this morning comes from Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, his first letter in chapter 15, verses 12 through 20. We have pew Bibles there in front of you, the black ones. If you didn't bring one with you, you can follow along. It's on page 1,142. I encourage you to look along to see that the words I read are actually the words written in scripture. I'm not just making them up. If you are visiting with us, and you do not own a Bible, this is important, this is for you. If you are visiting with us and you do not own a Bible, the one there in front of you found in the pew is our gift to you. It is not stealing. We believe in the power of the word of God and we want you to have it handy and take it with you. Let us read together what Paul writes. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead... How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God. Because we testified about God that he raised Christ. Whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. And here ends the word of God. Let us go to God in prayer. O holy God, we give you thanks and praise this day for the sufficient and supreme work of Jesus on the cross, for your work of raising him from the dead. And we ask that your word, your inspired and errant, infallible word be imprinted in the truths of it on our hearts this morning. May you open our ears and soften our hearts so that we may receive the gospel this morning receiving it in truth and in spirit, so that in all we do, in our worship of you, in our praise, our prayers, and our thoughts on you, may be for your glory. For it's in Jesus' high and holy name that we pray. Amen. So we're here to celebrate Easter this morning, that Christ is risen from the dead, that we have a risen Savior, And in uh, the Christian church, we have this tradition on Easter and on any other day, you encounter someone and they say, he is risen. He is risen indeed. indeed. If you were not aware that that is a thing, you now know that's a thing. So let's try it again. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay. There will come a time in the sermon where you need to know that. So (laughs) bookmark that. Pay attention. And so we're here celebrating Easter. You know, Easter, it can seem to be all about bunnies and eggs and spring and new outfits. And, and, you know, I'm from Texas and there people would show up with new hats for Easter and wear them. I love hats in church, but Easter is all of this newness in this life. And in fact, it was originally designed to be about that, to be about spring, to be about eggs and bunnies and new things. See, Easter originated and it started because there is a goddess of spring named Astarte, where Easter gets its name. 
In the Old Testament, it calls her Ashtoreth, the mother of Baal, who was a a pagan idol worshipped God in the Old Testament. And it it was believed by Egyptians that this goddess of spring dropped out of heaven in an egg in the Nile River. And there it would be uh, uh, some fish that worked together and pushed the egg ashore. And then once the egg was ashore, it cracked open and out she came. So there became the festival of Easter, celebrating the goddess of spring. And it became all about eggs and bunnies and springtime. But we gather for more than that. We gather for more than just eggs. We gather more than just bunnies. We gather for more than just celebrating the season of spring. For we gather to celebrate a risen Lord. And Paul here, as he writes to the church in Corinth, would challenge us and say that if, could we celebrate this day if we didn't have spring? Could we celebrate this day if we didn't have eggs? Could we celebrate this day if there were no bunnies and no candy? As his answer is, as long as the Lord has been resurrected, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. See, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth because they have been persuaded by Greek philosophy that has come around and said that men do not raise from the dead. And there's maybe even some here today who are a bit skeptical in understanding the resurrection of Jesus. Oh, sure, we believe what he said and the nice things he did. And yes, Jesus died on the cross and we can get to a spiritual resurrection. But a literal bodily, physical resurrection of Jesus, well, that just seems absurd. Here was the problem in the church in Corinth. And so as Paul is writing to them, He says the resurrection matters. In the 15th chapter of his letter, he says that in fact, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, all of Christianity and life hinges on it. That without it, everything is meaningless. In fact, he tells us exactly what it is like if Jesus is not resurrected from the dead. If men are not raised from the dead, then Jesus isn't raised from the dead. And if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, he says our preaching is meaningless. Our faith is meaningless. That those who have already died believing in Christ, well, they guess what? They're still dead. They're perishing. And that if Jesus did not raise from the dead, we're still in our sins. That we are liars and misrepresented God. If Jesus not be raised from the dead, then of all the world, we are to be the most pitied. Paul is taking a reverse argument to the Corinthians to drive home the resurrection of Jesus and just how much it matters. See, we can turn to Acts and we can see that early on with the disciples, Peter's first sermon is about the resurrection of Jesus and the new life it brings. That it's in fact Peter and the apostles who get in trouble for preaching the resurrection of Jesus. 
we can go to Acts chapter 4 and see that the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin council did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And so they brought them in and told them not to stop preaching that Jesus died on the cross, not to stop preaching that he died for our sins, not to stop preaching that he commanded us to love one another, but to stop preaching that he was raised from the dead. On this, all of eternal life hinges. Resurrection matters. It matters for the believer and for the non-believer. And I can tell you this. When Jesus died on the cross, he was abandoned and alone. And it would be his disciples who would go and they would be in a house. And the scriptures would tell us that they would be scared that they were next to be killed. They were dejected and hopeless. They had no idea what was next. They had just spent three years with Jesus the Christ and now he's dead and gone. What a waste of time. What do we do next? See, the resurrection matters. It was something that they had to deal with in the first century, and it's something we're still dealing with to this day. In fact, you can go home today, and either the Discovery Channel and or the History Channel will be running some sort of special on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, no one's ever blamed the History Channel or the Discovery Channel of evangelizing to go make disciples for Jesus. But it's because it caused a great commotion. On the day that the women went to the tomb and they found it empty. And Peter rushed and John rushed and they saw that there was an empty tomb. Immediately the guards came up with excuses and it began saying, we need to say that the disciples took the body somewhere. Lies about what happened to Jesus in this tomb and how it was empty began purposely. perpetuating around the land because they knew if Jesus was resurrected from the dead, then it means everything he said before that was true and he is the Messiah. On this, everything hinged. The resurrection matters. It matters for this life and for all eternity. See, as Paul writes, we can see here in his letter that he tells us if Christ is not risen from the dead, our Preaching is in vain. Your faith, it's for nothing. We've mess, he, he says, we as the apostles, we misrepresented God by testifying to the fact that God rose Christ from the dead. But he didn't. And he says, of all the world, we're to be the most pity. He says, we misrepresented God. Paul, the apostle, says if Jesus is not raised from the dead, then we are liars. We are not truth tellers. We're making up stories and fantasy. See, we all have to do something with the resurrection if we want to believe what's in the scripture, but say that, oh, the literal bodily, physical resurrection of Jesus, ah, I don't know about it then we proclaim Paul and Peter and James and John and the other apostles as liars. And if they lied about the resurrection of Jesus, 
What else is it that they lied about? What is it that isn't true? You see how if you take this apart, it all begins unfolding and it becomes just a ball of string in your hands that is now just a pile of mess. On the resurrection, everything hinges. Everything matters. Paul tells us when he's writing here about the resurrection, earlier in the chapter, he says, For I delivered to you as first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve, that's the apostles, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Here, Paul lays out and says, look at all these people that have seen Jesus resurrected from the dead. Now, if you want to hold this, this fact that, oh, the apostles are lying about it when he appeared to the 12, when he appeared to Peter, when he appeared to James and John, and later when he would appear to Paul. But you still have to do with something that he appeared to 500 people at one time. That would be the greatest group hallucination that ever existed if it were not true. And we can scientifically study these things now. It doesn't matter how many drugs you're on or what's in the air. There is no group hallucination where 500 people at one time would be hallucinating the exact same thing. And he says some of them have fallen asleep, but most are alive. He's telling the church in Corinth, go find one and talk to them. They saw a resurrected Jesus. He appeared. It really happened. And he stresses this because he says, I, we as the apostles are not lying about it. Charles Colson has a quote going around the social media these days as it nears Easter and it typically pops up. And he says that it was Watergate that allowed him to fully grasp the resurrection of Jesus. Watergate being the Nixon scandal in the, in the 60s. And he says, Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks. You're telling me that the apostles could keep a lie for 40 years? Absolutely impossible, he says. Because you would see it would be every one of the apostles who would be charged with blasphemy and persecuted for their faith in Christ, that he was resurrected and they would die. And there's a funny thing about people. We're unwilling to die for a lie. We're unwilling to die for a lie. Paul says if Jesus wasn't if men aren't resurrected from the dead, then Christ wasn't resurrected from the dead. If Christ was not resurrected from the dead, then when he died on the cross, killed by our sins, Jesus was killed by our sins. He hung on the cross and it was our sins who killed Jesus as he hung there and he shed his blood. If Jesus is not risen from the dead, then he did not defeat Satan. 
He did not pay for our sins, for he is still in the grasp of sin and death. And if he's still in the grasp of sin and death, then there is no risen Lord at the right hand of God to intercede on our behalf. Paul says the resurrection matters. He says it matters because if Christ be not raised, then we are still in our sins. And those who have died in Christ, well, they perish. Sin and death would still have power over each and every one of our lives. He also writes in a letter to the Romans in chapter 6, verses 20 through 23, he goes, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at this time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. If Christ has not been raised and we are still in our sins, then we are still bearing guilt. We are still under condemnation. We are still alienated from God. We are still unforgiven. The resurrection the literal, bodily, physical resurrection of Jesus, it matters. And it happened. Sin and death could not keep Jesus in the grave. He's alive. And the loudest I've ever heard you sing is when you said, up from the grave he arose. He arose triumphant over his foes. Sin and death reign no more. It's because Jesus lives in victory over sin and death because through his blood, those who believe in him are made right with God and we are adopted as sons and daughters of the God most high. And because Jesus was resurrected, we too are promised a resurrection from death to eternal life with the Father. In fact, it says in Scripture, there is therefore, in Romans 8, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The resurrection matters. It matters. So we're here, whether the bunnies and the eggs or whether it's springtime or not, we're here because we know in our hearts and we know the truth of Scripture that he is risen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, What a glorious and wonderful day it is that we get to come and celebrate the new life we have in you. For you were raised from the dead, and because you were raised from the dead, as sons and daughters of the God Most High, we too are heirs of that promise of resurrection. 
of resurrection to new life, eternal with you in paradise. And Lord, in this world, we know all we have to look to is Jesus Christ for our hope. For in him, he says he is the resurrection and the life. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.